Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. Happy Halloween. It's October the 31st, 2023. Not a particularly happy Halloween, judging from the cover of today's newspapers. Pretty grisly, pretty gruesome, pretty miserable. Uh, of course, all the headlines are about the war going on, the war in Gaza and the human suffering associated with that. Um, the Wall Street Journal even asked, where's Socrates when you need him? Socrates, of course, was the Greek philosopher. Perhaps he's been reinvented in Poland, though, because uh, there are some Polish Socrates in terms of the latest election. There's some good news coming out of Poland. We've done shows before on Poland as a model of the new authoritarianism. But the elections uh, of a couple of weeks ago on the 15th of October returned a very different verdict from uh, the Polish electorate. The uh, PIS party has lost its majority and being replaced by a coalition of more progressive parties. Some people believe that this indeed, uh, this election result might reshape Europe. Others believe that it offers um, uh, a hopeful sign for democracy. One man who has carefully been watching this, he's been on the show before, uh, is Maciej Kizalowski. He's the editor of an interesting new book on Poland. Uh, 28 um, Polish experts analyzing Polish democracy or the absence of democracy called Let's Agree on Poland. It's a bestseller in Poland. It may get translated into England, uh, into English. And Maciej is joining us from Vienna today. Um, Maciej, uh, do we have uh, Socrates in, in Poland? Uh, are the Poles now the future in terms of figuring out how to confront authoritarianism? Well, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yes, we do have a first encouraging step, but I, I, I think it's very important to understand that we don't have, we can't really as progressives, as liberals, we can't really conceptualize democracy as a system in which we always win. Um, and, of course, the problem with that uh, is that lately right-wing parties, very conservative parties um, or leaders like Donald Trump in your country and this law and justice party that um, governed, has governed my country for the last eight, eight years uh, are not only right-wing and conservative but also deeply authoritarian uh, in a you know, old-fashioned sense of creating uh, rigged, um, at minimum very, very unequal and ultimately actually rigged elections. So it's, um, it's a crisis because one side of a political uh, scene, which many of us may not like for multiple reasons, we just don't agree with their with their politics and with their policies. Um, but the, the 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 deeper problem is if one side of the political spectrum turns very very authoritarian. If every election is you know about the future of the country, then something is wrong with that future. 
So, uh, Mitche, before we analyze uh, what happened, tell us the details. What what exactly transpired a couple of weeks ago on the 15th of October? How did Poland vote? Yes. So what we have, uh, what we had uh, two weeks ago was an election that um, the ruling party, which was in power since 2015, very much a Trumpian party, actually one of the main allies once Trump was in power in your country, which, as I said, um, was called law and justice, but was not really, uh, in fairness, much about law or justice. they created this very, very unequal election. We are talking about propaganda uh, in state-controlled uh, TV stations, newspapers, that experts who were um, analyzing uh, communist propaganda in the 80s say that, that that communist propaganda was not as grotesque and as biased as and as blatant as what was happening in Poland. We had, uh, you know, rampant and, and that's a pretty, places. and that's a pretty. Um, it's a pretty low bar. A yes. pretty low bar. Pretty outrageous statement that the that the prop the quote unquote the word you use the propaganda of the previous Polish government was was worse than the the Polish communist government. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, it was it was um, you know what what was what's what's outrageous is not really the statement. Uh, the, what was outrageous was that it happened in 2023 uh in within Can you give some examples of, of what this looked like oh yeah sure so for example the leader of the opposition uh, who was also previously uh the uh, president of the yeah, uh, european U- european people's party and then um of the european uh, council of the european union um donald tusk um once maybe 10 or 15 years ago, gave a speech. He happens to speak um, English, he happens to speak German, and he delivered a speech in uh, in German uh, for a German audience where, uh, you know, in one of the sentences, he used the word for Deutschland, which means for Germany, in some sentence where he was saying about something yeah. that needs to happen for Germany. Those two words for Deutschland were uh, aired on the supposed public, neutral, uh, unbiased, but state control uh, TV station hundreds of times. Just those two words uh, as kind of, uh, you, you know, um, a comment on everything that the... Uh, right, and of course, the Poles have a little bit of history with the Germans. Yeah, well, I mean, yes. But like, this is this is impo- this wouldn't happen on, on Fox News. Uh, um, you know, you wouldn't have hundreds of times putting two words in a foreign language out of context just to kind of relentlessly um, bring home this completely uh, fantastical idea that Donald Tusk is some sort of German agent or traitor. Uh, this is this was unbelievable. Uh, you know what? When I was looking, um, I, you know, I am professor here in Vienna. I was looking from afar this truly 
resembled some, you know, faraway countries in, uh, you know, very, very far away from the European Union. Uh, but coming back to your question, what happened? Despite all of this, despite the difference... Hold on, let, in... let me just call you up yeah. on that. What do you mean, so, faraway countries? What, 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 what are you talking well, about? Well, I mean, you know, when you look at the post zone... You're suggesting that places far away from Poland are, are, are less civilized than the Poles? I mean, that's... A no, well, no I'm, suggesting, I, I'm suggesting that we, are, we all came from a certain experience of the... Uh, you know, Soviet domination countries from, you know, all the way from, uh, you know, Central Asia to Eastern Europe. And um, uh, Poland is one of the actually minority of post-Soviet countries that was given this chance. And exactly as the sentiment in your question suggests, not because we are better than, let's say, you know, Armenians or Azeris or Kazakhs, we are just the same post-Soviet uh, uh, society. Geography, it's an accident of geography mm -hmm. that uh, we are closer to European Union. We, so, we do neighbor right. Germany. So, so, yeah, and, so and thereby we were given this chance of joining these institutions, those democratic institutions of the European Union. And yet those worst instincts that come, that we know from authoritarian countries which didn't have the same lack, historical uh, lack, as we had of, of, of be having this incentive, um, to powerful incentive to, uh, to democratize. Uh, we, we willingly um, uh, backslided and backslided. And I, I'm bringing those examples, those granular examples for, for you and, and the, uh, the viewers to understand how much we backslide. Okay. Yes. Let me just ask you one question before we, mm. we get to the election. Um, you mentioned this crass propaganda. Um, how much of it do you think um, was the result of the, the ruling party that lost the election, Kuczynski. Does it, does it go up to him? Was someone approving of this uh, absurd propaganda on, on state television? Oh, absolutely. He was approving. The, 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 also, the party is run in a very authoritarian way. In that sense, it, it, it also um, is somewhat similar to Trump, who liked to have... Uh, control and power as we now know and everybody needed to swore loyalty to him personally and yes Jaroslav Kaczynski who um, formerly still is just a deputy prime minister uh, the transfer of power has not happened yet let's keep our fingers yeah we'll, we'll talk about that we, yeah. we are talking let me take a short commercial break we are talking with um Maciej Kiselowski, who's the editor of an important new book. It's a bestseller in Poland called um, Let's Agree on Poland, uh, which uh, it might be hard to do. So, uh, mm. Maciej, what happened then? How, how decisive was this election in terms of what the voters um, determined? Was it a, yeah. a very sharp shift? It, from, from look, just looking at the the Politico charts, for example, it looks quite dramatic. Was it was it as dramatic as it seems? It's 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 almost miraculous because the regime was so 
consolidated. It was eight years. Remember, uh, your country uh, rejected narrowly, um, at least in swing states, narrowly your own authoritarian leader after just one term. Imagine uh, Donald Trump staying for two consecutive uh, terms. That's Poland. And of course, our institutions, as I already mentioned, are you know, much much younger and not as strong. So the, the situation was very, very grim. Most political analysts thought it's impossible. The spending differential, we mentioned propaganda, but the spending differential was you know, 20 to 1 um, because the ruling party basically ignored all the spending limits that we have in, in our laws um, and used every bit of, st- every, every, every aspect of its state apparatus it, it controlled to to basically rig this election. And yet the opposition won. So there is, coming back to your initial point, there are good news. <laughs> um, uh, and it was a relatively free election in the sense that um, presumably the, the polls reflected the way the people, and I, and I don't mean to, mm. uh, to uh, have but the polls reflected what the polls wanted. Yes, free, free but unfair, but unfair, of course, very much against the opposition. So the, the, the result is even more dramatic given the unequal playing field. And, and, and indeed, the opposition has a very comfortable majority in the new parliament. Uh, in the um, upper house, it has two-thirds majority in the Senate. Um, in the lower house, it has a comfortable um, uh, uh, um, uh, majority. Um, so um, hopefully, um, the transfer of power will happen. We will have kind of a Chilean scenario in which the um, the, the autocrats understand that they can't do anything because the, the mood has changed. People. Uh, people realize that this may be one of the last moments when you can when you can stop, frankly, this authoritarian cancer from growing, mm, and uh, and that any, for example, redo of an election, uh, which was, for example, the uh, gambit that Turkish uh, autocrat Recep Tayyip Erdogan um, tried in 2019 in the Istanbul mayoral election. You may remember that. Yeah, um, we've done some. We did a show on that. Actually. Yes, and so uh, so the, the, there is obviously a worry, and there were rumors, uh, very uh, disturbing, also news such as changes at the top of the military just before the elections, days before the elections. So there was, um, I think, a fair bit of. Um, concerned that the government will try to tamper with the transfer of power. Um, I think what is uh, hopeful is that the, uh, the the opposition won so decisively. And, and I think that's... Yeah. So, uh, so let's get into the details. One headline I read was that young female voters were the key to defeating, quote-unquote, the populists in the Polish election. In demographic terms, I'm not sure how much analysis has been made, but what really shifted? Who were the groups who most changed their vote? Well, first of all, uh, the the turnout um, went up by 13 percentage points. Uh, It was um, by far the highest turnout since 1989 in Poland Um, uh, and uh, in in parliamentary election, 74%. Uh, So there was a massive mobilization 
of this um, progressive uh, pro-European electorate. And, uh, and when I say this progressive pro-European electorate brings me to the point which uh, you alluded to in uh, mentioning the book that I co-edited, which is that Poland, like your country, like the United States, is very geographically uh, polarized, which is uh, you have a northwest of the country, which is much more um, progressive, leftist, liberal in various proportions, but generally pro progressive. Um, uh, and, uh, and then you have south east of Poland, which is very, very deeply conservative. That didn't change. Uh, still, uh, the, the ruling party, the departing party, Law and Justice, won in southeastern parts of, of Poland. Um, but uh, mm, uh, simply the mobilization of the electorate in big cities and in, in some cities, literally, um, voters waited until 3 a.m. to vote. Uh, that actually um, tipped the balance. So, of course, young voters are part of that story because if you increase the turnout in urban areas, young voters are the, the biggest well, reserve well, uh, because uh, they don't go to vote normally, yes? In your so, analysis, were they voting for political reasons, cultural, economic reasons? What, would, what, what made this... Uh, the, the biggest uh, vote since uh, since uh, since free elections in Poland. Why why did people vote in these elections when they hadn't previously voted? Because I think people realized, and there was a, a lot of uh, analysis and uh, focus groups that confirmed this. People realized that um, this talk of experts such as me, but of course many, many others, for eight years about this is not a normal government, this is an authoritarian uh, uh, revolution, um, which is going to make it impossible to kick these guys out in the future and will most likely either marginalize or outright um, exclude us from the European Union. That's when we were talking about the difference between Poland and what I called more far away post-communist countries, that that was the message, that we will end up in this, you know, you can call it geopolitical gray zone. We will we will no longer be, belong to the European Union. Literally, um, the, some members of the Law and Justice Party started to bring Polexit, um, so, you know, the, um, uh, the version of Brexit. Yeah, and you don't have to look Poland. that far. I mean, you can look next door to Hungary. Well, yes, and I think uh, um, they are still in, but they don't get money. We also, uh, Poland also got sanctioned and, 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 and does not get a big chunk of the, of the EU money. So, so I think answering your question, people this time realize this is serious. People realize this may be... So in many ways, I, I do see parallels with the 2020 Biden victory, the soul of the nation, the fight for the soul of the nation. And on one, one side, it's great because we've been lawyers, political scientists like, like, like me have been saying this is not normal for a long time. And we were 
we, we felt like nobody's really listening. Experts listen, but not real people. Uh, I, I think gradually people realize. But there is a downside of it, Andrew, that you can't run every election. That's what right. I started from. You can't run every election on this basis. You can't have a situation in which every election you turn up people until 3 a.m. because our future uh, yeah, is... And we hear it in America, like every, every election, it seems every time, however long I've been, it's always the most important election in our lifetime. And of course, there is a 2024 election in America, which is not looking as positive for Biden, but that's another story. We are talking with Maciej Kizalowski, the co-editor of Let's Agree on Poland. Uh, a man very much committed to political and cultural liberty. I think he will enjoy Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. And everyone get up, coming on the show actually will get an annual subscription. I'm going to run a short uh, ad for Liberties. And then we'll be back with uh, Mache to talk about what this means for democracy and for the rest of Europe. So don't go away, anyone. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We are speaking with uh, my old friend, Mache Kisielowski, who is the co-editor of a best-selling book in, in Poland, Let's Agree on Poland. Uh, Mache, the New York Times tends to be a bit of a miserable newspaper, uh, and their headline about Poland recently was a less polarized Poland, not yet, election results suggest. And they in this interesting piece, still talk about these profound divisions between town and countryside in Poland. Are they right to be slightly less ebullient than you in terms of this, what you call this almost miraculous election? I think I think both uh, parties are right here. I am right uh, calling it a miracle that it happened given the authoritarian state of play. And New York Times is very much uh, right, um, saying that beyond those authoritarian revolutions, not only in Poland, are real deep social divisions. And uh, we, we can't constantly be saying, oh, these are manipulative Trumps that are bamboozling people. No, there are also genuine um, differences, deep differences in the in our concept of good life and good society, uh, which lead people to willingly support people like Trump or his equivalent in po Poland, Jaroslaw Kaczynski. Uh, and yes, those differences are very geographically asymmetrical. Um, uh, it is true that it's a, a, um, urban-rural to some extent, although it's also very much um, regional, yes. So, so Poland is simply much more conservative. Even cities in southeast Poland are much more conservative. Um, they are more liberal than the countryside surrounding them, but they are still uh, much more conservative than cities in northwest Poland. And and the countryside is uh, is also night and day. The countryside in the west is 
moderately Catholic, uh, but still very pro-European. The countryside in the southeast is 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 very very deeply skeptical of anything Western. So uh, we need to find a way to deal with that because otherwise every election is about everything. But worse yet, if we don't deal with uh, this issue of creating a constitutional space um, where both progressives and conservatives can respectfully compete with each other while accepting certain rules of the game, uh, we will be in a situation in which our um, prescription for maintaining uh, democracy in Poland or the United States is that we need to win all the time. Uh, and that is, of course, a deeply paradoxical um, view of democracy, that we have democracy only if we keep winning. Uh, so my goal and my co-authors, 28 intellectuals from left, uh, the, the left of the opposition, which is not all leftists, it's actually more of a center-right by European standards, um, to actual peace supporters who disagree with me uh, in just about anything I've said so far. They don't see the last eight years as authoritarian, but they do uh, agree that we don't have common constitutional understanding between left and right and and that and they joined the book um, uh, that uh, that you mentioned um, uh, uh, the goal for me uh, andrew is to have a situation in which one day the right wing parties win election and i will not i am going to hide i am very progressive so i will not be happy about it but i don't i i, I want to have a situation i want to see poland in a situation when i am not terrified by this when i am not thinking about whether the we will have independent courts whether the next election will be free i just uh, we, we we don't need to be happy about uh, the other side winning but uh, we need to do something um, in order not to have this terrifying sinking feeling that that our country we are losing our country every time we we we, we lose uh, we lose a, a vote how is uh, Krasinski, you had an interesting piece in Project Syndicate about whether they'll leave power, the Krasinski party. You know that there is still talk of some sort of coup mm. to power. How has uh, Krasinski's party, how has PIS responded to the election? Have they acknowledged that it was legitimate and free or are they suggesting it was fixed? No, no, of course, of course, this is uh, unfortunately nothing new. They are saying it's Western money, German influence. That um, so you know you change the the culprits, the the conspiracy, uh, the the agents of the conspiracy compared to what Donald Trump was saying after 2020's loss. But the main message is unfortunately... But there is a difference. I mean, Trump yeah. argues that the le the last election he didn't actually lose. Uh, are, is Kaczynski, for whatever reason people voted, it may have been Soros money or German money or, or some other mm -hmm. money, but is he acknowledging that the election itself was fair? So his framing of this is that they won because uh, the opposition ran in three separate uh, blocks. Um, Altogether, they have comfortable majority, 
but law and justice is the single largest party or or a, or a block that uh, electoral block or uh, uh, that 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 actually got in itself the most votes and the state owned media and and also Kaczynski himself the president uh, of the country who is uh, Kaczynski's ally all in unison are saying we actually won so the stolen election because it's not it's it's a parliamentary system uh, the, the the worry is that the stolen election may come later when they when the new parliament convenes in a few weeks and they don't have the majority because they don't have the majority um, so so at the moment we are in a, in this unique stage for a parliamentary republic in which they can claim they are the victors because they got the plurality if not the majority of uh, of seats in the parliament um, so we don't know what the narrative will be uh, once it becomes clear that they I mean, it's clear because the parties are saying. So, what would happen if they clung to power? With the, the what has the military said? Mm. Um, what does the constitution say? Yes, so they can try to do a, a repeat elections, and there are a number of the Istanbul uh, strategy. The Istanbul strategy, and um, the, the, because the president has a ceremonial role in. Um, appointing the new government, but that president, as I said, the right-wing politician, uh, showed to uh, repeatedly abuse those ceremonial powers, which might have not been the smartest uh, thing to give the president, uh, the the ceremonial president in a parliamentary system um, by the 1997 constitution, but it was you know, very different time in 1997. Nobody thought about uh, kind of uh, hardball polit- authoritarian politics uh, of today. Uh, but in other, in short, without going into unnecessary detail, um, the president um, can abuse his power, and he did in similar situations. And what What might scare him? The response of the EU, civil yes, uh, civil unrest. The role of the what, Polish military. What what do you think is the the best, the most effective counter to him not trying to cheat the system and call another election? The best, uh, all those factors that you mentioned, uh, the EU. You didn't mention United States. I think it's playing a very constructive role. Mm-hmm. The U.S. ambassador has said openly that um, you know there are. American troops defending Poland, and he said they are here to defend democracy, not just like any, uh, you know, political regime. Um, so, uh, so these are important factors. The most important factor, however, is that at the end of the day, there must be some exit options, like a redo of the election, yes, a, 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 another election, and the scale of the opposition victory suggests that it's very unlikely in a foreseeable future, uh, in the next few months, for the public sentiments to uh, to change in um, in the um, right-wing party's favor. And I think that's the most important, because like when you mentioned um, Donald Trump was questioning the result, 
I think, you know, you are focusing on a symptom, but not on the root cause. He was uh, saying he didn't, uh, he did win um, because he, his, his view was that it was so close that, uh, you know, that, that he, he can, he can get away with, uh, you know, and actually Michael Flynn, as we know, uh, was suggesting to uh, Trump to redo the election in some of the states he narrowly lost. I think what is different here is not really um, the goodwill of the autocrats or authoritarian leaders. I don't think it exists. I think what is different is the decisive nature of that victory and the fact that there is very little chance that Mm, they can uh, do another election in the next few months uh, with whatever legal uh, uh, tricks they would use and get a different result. Uh, and there is also a non, uh, a non, not insignificant chance that polls would react with outrage and actually, get, uh, you know, and actually give the opposition even bigger landslide, which is exactly what happened in Istanbul. We remember that uh, Ekrem Imamoglu first won by a uh, by a narrow margin, narrowest margin actually, a couple thousand votes, and then when Erdogan tried to do, uh, uh, you know, a rematch. Uh, he actually won by ten percentage points. So, Meche, what, um, what, um, what, what might be the the changes in in the, in in your region of uh, East Central mm. Europe? Macron recently condemned uh, Viktor Orbán's meeting with Putin. Uh, Orbán, of course, is the authoritarian leader in, in in Hungary, the model for this new neo authoritarianism. Yeah. How, how do you expect uh, Tusk's victory, this new coalition, to change the neighborhood and perhaps have an impact on Ukraine and the war there? Mm. Uh, well, um, it will have a major impact because Hungary is losing its major ally within the Europe, like this kind of coalition of Trojan horses, authoritarian Trojan horses within the European Union just uh, uh, is about to get much, much weaker. Uh, he got a consolation prize in a victory of uh, a populist, let's not call him authoritarian yet, before we see the proof uh, that he is uh, authoritarian. But why I'm talking, of course, about Slovak um, a new prime minister, Fico, uh, who uh, um, uh, may be... Um, an ally of sorts, but of course Slovakia is much smaller uh, than Poland, and um, and and thereby this is this is not going to make up for the loss of this very very tight partnership, despite um, the differences between the, even the right wing government in Poland supported Ukraine, while um, Orban is openly pro Putin. Um, still, the cooperation in many other areas uh, has been going on despite uh, the differences on Ukraine and uh, and this mutual blocking and vetoing of any attempts to bring um, either Hungary or Poland uh, to, 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 to some compliance with European values was rock solid between those two governments, Polish and Hungarian. Now it's gone. So Viktor Orban is in trouble. 
But Viktor Orban has been in power in for 13 years. And I mentioned earlier the difference between four years in case of Trump and eight years in the, in case of in the Polish case. Imagine 13 years of that. Uh, yeah, uh, we've always heard that Orban's in power, uh, in trouble, but he always seems to escape. Finally, and, and yeah. maybe I've left perhaps the last, most important question to the mm -hmm. end, uh, Machen. It certainly fits in with, I think, some of your um some of the themes in your in your new edited book let's agree on poland mm. will this new coalition headed headed by tusk will it and should it rule from the center does it need to start to rebuild not just an anti-conservative coalition but a centrist coalition does it sh should it be revengeful or victorious or should it be conciliatory both should and will. What, what do you expect? Because that really seems to be the most important question now. Yeah, given that there won't be some sort of coup. Yes, exactly. Um, so my view on this, which we presented in, in this book that you mentioned, is that centrist politics um, is, is very difficult and has very few supporters among voters. Voters seem to be more and more in Poland, for sure, more and more confident about their, their progressive and conservative views, if anything, going farther apart. And that's why our view is that we actually should, um, rather than looking for some rotten compromise at the center, um, we should um, very uh, smartly and in many areas aggressively decentralized policies um, in order to give people an ability to choose um, uh, uh, policies and, and governance that's closer to their values while respecting the common set of, of, of constitutional rules. Um, will that happen? I'm, I, I, I hope so, because uh, I don't see any other alternative. We already st begin to see problems even within this opposition coalition, which is very ideologically broad, um, even without the, 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 the losing law and justice party, we have a lot of opinions from left to, to, to Christian Democrats and, you know, on issues um, uh, related to, for example, education, there is even within the uh, new coalition um, a lot of disagreement. The centralization, bringing power closer to people who, as I say, are generally congregated in groups, uh, geographic regions, which are much more homogeneous than the country as a whole, um, in our view, is, is in fact this this. So what you're saying is that the, the cultural and economic and political divisions that you can't vault over should be in any in, in some senses compounded that the countryside should be allowed to be more conservative and the city yes. more progressive and that could be the future for a viable democracy in the 21st century absolutely and you know we have some models of this uh, when you take away this quest to use the central government which is very much your model you started from this federal model and then you know first the progressive tries to use the courts to to kind of accelerate the change and it didn't work now the conservatives are using it for regressive reasons to accelerate the regression of certain um, policies 
if we if we give up this ambition to to rule from the center over people who are really determined to oppose that rule and follow um, example of countries like germany or austria where i live if you go to the countryside here versus vienna which is one of the big liberal cities and the countryside is very very conservative uh, you can see that decentralization can work and it can create a switzerland is another great example and it can create a stable cohesive system um, in which not every politician is an angel and there are populists but the systemic risks risks to the constitutional and democratic systems are much much less severe